How many just glad to be here today? Welcome to Back to Church Sunday. This is a nationwide event that happens every year. Uh, a, a few founders years ago uh, come up with an ideal and, and a strategy to try to get people uh, an opportunity to come back to church. Maybe they've been to church in their childhood and been away for years. Maybe they've been to church for the past couple of years and just got out of the habit and missed one week, then missed two weeks, and the next thing you know, you missed three weeks and four weeks, and it goes on. And uh, it's just easy to get out of the habit of coming to church. And uh, they started this event and they uh, just ramped it up. And next thing you know, it kind of become a nationwide event. So today, around America, there is thousands and thousands of churches that are doing not the same thing we're doing. We go above and beyond here at the bridge. It's a big deal to us. Anytime we do anything, we try to go full tilt every time. Uh, but just grateful for the company that gave uh, this tent to us and uh, volunteered to bring it down. Journey's Jumpies uh, volunteered to bring the kids those things. And so a lot of this stuff cost us very little other than the effort of people getting involved on this committee and uh, helping us out. So we're so grateful at the bridge that we're able to uh, get people here uh, be able to sit here today and just to join together in fellowship. What a wonderful uh, worship set that the worship team done a moment ago outside. Uh, Dusty beating on the cajun and actually mic'd and uh, Derek over here on the bass and Leslie singing and playing. And what a great time just worshiping God. The Bible tells us and Jesus told us in, in the Gospel of John that God desires us to worship him in spirit and in truth. God uh, anticipates when his children joined together that we would sing songs and spiritual songs and hymns to him and it's a beautiful thing when the children of God join together and when we resound voice our voices together even some of us sound better than others and I know that that I'm not very good at that um Jordan she's kind of my club we're not very good at singing but we will anyway amen let let your voice be heard let a joyful noise what sister betty says all the time i love sister betty she says god wants a joyful noise of god to be heard and that's us we can sing whether we can sing or not he wants to hear you he loves you just like you are uh, whether he give you a godly singing voice or not uh elf says singing loud for all to hear uh, i sing loud enough for me to hear and that's good enough and i know god can hear me when i do that but welcome to back to church sunday and uh it's 11.05, and we're going to eat chili at about 11.30-ish, something like that. And uh, I'll just request up front, and I'll just be very forward with you. Uh, if you don't care, vote for mine. Uh, Ryan has already uh, vowed me out of the chili contest because I didn't pre-register. Is that like the world we live in? There's all kinds of rules and all this stuff, and we don't have enough information, and the communication wasn't good enough. And I know, Tabby, you've announced it for the past eight weeks at church, but still, I didn't get it. I wasn't listening, okay? And I didn't sign up, but I still want you to vote for me so that I can win uh, as a write-in ballot. I, I think most elections you go to has got write-in ballots, so uh, we're going to open that up to the floor for a write-in ballot. Uh, smoke chili. I mean, if you've never had smoked chili, today's your day. It's a good day. I've even smoked the peanut butter sandwiches made by Sarah. Thank you for making the peanut butter sandwiches. We're going to have them over here. They're smoked, and if you've never had smoked peanut butter sandwiches, today's your day. It'd be a good day to get one and try that. So they're not for sale. It's free. It's just a, a well, I could pay you to vote for it you know that's how but i won't um okay we are so thankful that you're here what a great crowd just look around and how beautiful are the faces of god's children sitting under this tent amen it's just a beautiful thing to see uh, a diverse group here young old middle age uh, all across female male we're, we're just split up here and it's a beautiful thing that we can be 
divided in different aspects of our life, but united in the purposes of God. Amen. Amen. And you're in a tent today with like-minded believers that we believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And he come and he hung on a, on a cross on Calvary's hill and purchased our sin by his blood. That he went on from that cross, they took him down, took him to a grave. He was there three days. He rose again. I know this is not Easter, but that's the truth of who we serve under this tent today. And I believe he's here. How many believes he's here with us? Amen. I can feel him here. I know his Holy Spirit is ministering to us through this place. My words are going to be very few, but I know that he is speaking to our hearts in this place today. And I'm just so grateful for this opportunity to speak uh, to God's kids. We're in the middle of a sermon series, and although this is back at the church Sunday, every year in November I write down and I pen together a sermon series calendar, and I put down all of our sermon series on um, a calendar and uh, name them all and write down a few uh, ideals and themes that we're going to be covering uh, at the Bridge Church, and, and I write these down every year in November, so this stuff that I'm going to be talking about today was something that was prepared on my heart last November, uh, but I believe it is relevant to today, and it never ceases to amaze me how God uh, a year in advance, he knows our future before we get there. Amen? The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He goes before us. He prepares a way before us. All these scriptures are very true. So in ministering, I go by that approach that some people say you ought to be led by the Spirit. I think God can lead you by the Spirit a year in advance. And it amazes me every year how he does this. And I've done this for years that I've been pastoring and ministering. And uh, it just seems the way and approach that God has given me. I'm not saying it's right for everybody. I, I think there's some people that can preach off the cuff. The Bible says to be instant in season and out of season. I understand those things, as Paul told Timothy that. I understand how that works. But I also believe he can prepare our hearts. But the sermon series is titled, Multiply is Greater Than Dividing. And multiplication is something we need to be about as the church of Jesus Christ in the world we're living. Amen. I believe God wants us to be a uniting force on this planet, whether no matter what's the name over our church door, that as long as we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, it unifies us, it brings us under his banner, and it signifies to the world this is a united front with a common cause to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. It's called the gospel. That's what we are about as a church. But this sermon series, Multiply and Divided, when I wrote it down, the theme was about finding in the Bible some text and some stories about war. And I know that war is not preached about a lot, and there's not a whole lot of sermons I've ever heard in my life about war. But if it's a topic that's covered in the Bible, I believe as a minister that we are ordained by God and instructed by God to preach the whole counsel of the gospel in this Bible, these words that we have laying in our lap. So we can't cover over some parts of the Bible that we don't like and can't understand and say, well, I'm not going to preach about that because I can't really put it out there. If it's in God's word, we should be declaring it. 
as a church. Amen? So this wartime stories that we're talking about, I know that as talking into people from different stages and walks of life, as I see many different people, and I love uh, being around uh, people of all uh, nationalities, and I just love striking up conversations. It's kindly part of my grandmother's nature in me. My great-grandmother, Elvie, just never knew a stranger, and my grandma, Frances, never knew a stranger, and uh, whatever I'm going through a line at the grocery store, if I don't know the person, I'm going to be talking. I, w- I want to know something about them. I'll make them laugh. Because I don't want them to think that the church that I pastor is a church of some fuddy-duddies. Amen. Amen? We need to be some happy folks up in here. Amen? The church should be a place we come to receive the joy of God in our hearts. That we walk out challenged and knowing that, yes, whenever we go into the world that we're living in, there's going to be people out there that's declaring, and I've talked to people lately that says, you know, America is destined for another civil war. That's scary. If you study history and you look through history and see that uncles took a rifle and shot at nephews and killed them, that brothers killed brothers, that cities battled against cities of Americans, it's a scary topic. And when those words are talked about, we should put it in a biblical context. And say, what does the Bible teach about that? And what should I be acting like as a Christian? Amen? You cannot escape the terminology of war. The Bible talks about it. You should know about it as a Christian. And I'm not saying we're going to be a know-it-alls, but we should strive to know more. Amen? I want to know more about God's Word today than I knew yesterday. I want to know more tomorrow than I know today. I want you to know more after you walk away from this sermon today than you did before this sermon. I don't, we don't just ask you to come here to sit down and feel good. I want you to walk out with some knowledge that you're going to put into actions that you're walking out that people will understand, wow, they must have known something from God this week. They have a passion inside of them. They're inspired by something. What is that? There's something different about them. When I first got in church, there's little kids that told me one time, said, when I look in your eyes, I see Jesus. I don't know about you, but I long for that. To teach a next generation of believers to have a passion for Jesus, to know that the eyes are the window to the soul. And I want Jesus living on the inside of here so when they look through here, they can see Him. Amen. I'm not saying I'm a perfect individual or I know all things. Or I, I'm just saying try really hard to let Jesus live in here. And the deal is you don't have to try real hard. All you have to do is believe and receive him because he's standing at the door and knocking, it says in Scripture. But as we multiply and divide, the world we live in is becoming a divisive place. Apparently, you guys are living in a different world than I'm living in then. I don't know. Maybe I need to go somewhere to talk about this. I don't know. Is there anybody out there that thinks this world that we're living in is becoming very divisive? Amen. There's topics that you can't talk about at a family reunion. Amen. You'll divide into camps, and the next thing you know, there'll be there's these people over here and these people over here. Amen. Or oh me, either one. In week one of this sermon series, we talked about how the families divide from time to time. It was the story of Abram, 
how that he took Lot with him to this new land. And Abram was Jesus' great, 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 great grandpa generations back. And he's from the nation of Iraq. So the Jesus we serve today has lineage and he is an Iraqi. So when we say drop a nuke on them and just turn them all into a sea of ice and let God sort that out, we're talking about Jesus as kinfolk. Amen. Divisiveness is where we say we as Americans got to win and everybody else has got to lose. That's divisive. I'm pro-America. I am an American. Don't go to shooting bullets yet. I love my country. My great-grandpa fought for this country. My grandpa fought for this country. The freedom I am living in is because of the sacrifices they made. I understand that. But I also understand that Jesus is bigger than America. Amen. Amen. And that's why we as the Bridge Church put money in the coffers every month on the first Sunday of the month to send missionaries to this world so that other peoples from other nationalities can hear who this Jesus is. He isn't an American Jesus. He's Jesus, the Son of God. He come from heaven. That's his place that he lives. Amen. Amen. Let's don't put him in a little box and make him look like me because he's way better looking than I am. I know it's hard to believe, but he is. Scripture does say that he isn't very pretty, though, when he was here in natural form. I don't know if you know that. It's Isaiah 53. It says that Jesus had no comeliness about him so that others would desire him, which basically means Jesus is kindly ugly. I know preachers ain't allowed to say that, but we at the bridge say things you ain't allowed to say sometimes, okay? It's all right. Take a chill pill, man. It's going to be okay. We'll get through these 30 minutes. But Jesus, this whole time that he's here on this planet, when he was walking around and he was in ministry, he united people from all different walks of life. When he chose his 12 disciples, he didn't choose one group or one sect or one uh, segment of society. He included fishermen. He got the IRS tax folks to come in board with him. Matthew, the tax collector. Simon, the zealot. It was the radical wing of Israel's nation at that time. Jesus included them. So as a bridge church, we should be about making an inclusive place that people from all walks of life and all backgrounds, it doesn't matter what color you are, it doesn't matter how you talk, it doesn't matter what holler you're from, you're welcome here. Amen. We should be multiplying as a church, not dividing. These are truths. I hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Amen. Not just as a country, but as a church. Those are truths. So I want to read you the thing that I wrote down for this sermon series. And we'll get to her story in a minute. It's 11.17. We will be down in time to eat chili, I assure you. And I use some words here, and sometimes I overuse big words when I'm typing. But then when I say them, they don't sound real well. So it looks better than writing than it will sound, okay? Just give me a little grace here. Um, I love typing to my sister because she types me things, and then I'll type out a bunch of big words, and then I'll, you know, just make it sound just off the chart. She done it this week, and it's kind of fun. She's a teacher. I'm not. So I'm trying to look smart for my sister here. This is my sister over here. Hi, Netta. Wave, wave real big, Netta. There's Netta. There's my sister. Blaming God for human failure 
is not fair to his divine nature. It's without doubt that God, the God of heaven that we serve is for certain a jealous God, but not in a negative light. He always, and I repeat always, both historically, presently, and, futurist, and futuristically, is standing unequivocally on the side of justice. His words and scripture need to be carefully studied to find a truth that he is teaching. Cherry-picking and building a doctrinal position without a holistic Bible view will most likely lead us in opposition to God's point of view. We're guilty as churches, amen, of cherry-picking scripture and saying, I want this version. I only want to feel good, Jesus. If you ever watch Ricky Bobby, you know what I'm talking about. Talladeganites, right? I like the teenage Jesus. I don't like that one. I like the gold swaddling diaper, whatever it is, less I can quote. I like Christmas Jesus best. Yeah, that's, so yeah. Like we pick which one we want, right? He's bigger than that. His Bible is full of all kinds of things. This sermon series' intent is to help us understand the casualty of war in the Bible. Our Heavenly Father is a God of peace, but from time to time it has to deal with humanity's failures and has to choose the side of peace through the acts of war. To hide from this fact and put our heads in the sand is not reality. And we have to put our trust in Him and stay in the center of His will. So the people online that's watching today through Facebook Live, and I'm so grateful that we live in a country and in a place of freedom where we can talk in open air the things that we're about to say. There's Christians around the world today in China, communist nation. They have to hide in secret basements of their home to have a church service. And if they're found out, they'll be killed. The Christian churches that were planted for the last 20 years in Afghanistan, they are in hiding today because they are in danger for their lives to be able to talk like we're talking over a microphone here today. These are being broadcast on Facebook Live, and I'm so grateful that we live in a country that has that freedom, aren't you? And there's many people watching, and every week I love it when I go home after church service, and sometimes you'll come, and you know, sometimes you have bigger crowds than other times, and Sometimes as a pastor, you, you think, well, who all did I talk to today? Or who all did I reach today? Or who all had to work today? And, and it's just amazing. Some people are retired and, and are kind of afraid of COVID right now, and they won't come out today, and they're watching online. I'm grateful for that capability that they're able to. Amen? That the people who are watching online are sitting here just as much as we're sitting here because this is a spiritual thing we're in, not a physical thing. Amen? Amen. And I'm grateful that they're able to hear these words today. And I want them to be encouraging to us. But God wants us to know in his word where it talks about war, that we look at it holistically and we don't make our interpretations from it say what I wanted to say. We have to be very careful when we look at any situation or item in our life that we don't look at it through our own preconceived notion and our lenses because we can make anything say what we want it to say. Amen? And a lot of people take the Bible and they do that. They'll make it say what they want it to say rather than what God wants us to say. I want to know what God's saying. How about you? I'm encouraged when he speaks, aren't you? So as we look through these last couple of weeks, we talked about Abram a lot. I talked about it a minute ago. Last week we talked about Joshua's battle of, uh, at the walls of Jericho and how that he went in and 
Only one person in the whole city was saved and her family because she was a prostitute. Joshua sent in spies to this city and he told them to go to the spies to go to the city and find out what all was going on there. And then they come back and said, yeah, we stopped by the prostitute's house. I don't think that's going to be a very good war strategy, right? You ought to figure out what's going on around them. But that prostitute helped save those two spies' lives because the city people come looking for them. And when they returned back, Joshua, through God, knew to save this lady's life. The only person in the whole town during this war that was saved. And it come to find out later on, we read in Matthew chapter 1, that this was Jesus' great, 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 great grandmother. So sometimes when we look at a prostitute, we may look through our lens and our way that we've lived our life and the way that we've been brought up and what I've had to endure in life, but we have no idea what people face and what they've battled in the mind that they face. Amen? Because the enemy will come to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you can have life and it more abundantly. Amen? Jesus come to set us free from the pain we endured. This prostitute had lived a life of prostitution, but Jesus, through the power in the Old Testament, saved this lady's life because Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, needed to be born through this lineage. Sometimes we need to open up our heart and when we drive through town, not look over at some prostitute and look down upon her, down our, our holy nose and say, look at them and how can they live and how can they dwell and how can they be like that? You don't know the things they faced. Most of them's been molested by somebody in their family in their lifetime. We need to be careful in our judgment of others. Amen? It divides us. And what I'm saying is when we become in a multiplication mindset, we will look at a prostitute and say, yes, I know in Scripture through an act of war that I heard about in a church service one time that God will even use them. Amen. He will bring them and He will give them new life. How many believes that with me today? I trust that God is capable of using all. And that's why I'm so grateful for what's going on here today because God has opened up this tent and this Back to Church Sunday and I think we're accomplishing more than we ever have as a church on Back to Church Sunday because the team got involved. Teamwork makes the dream work, my pastor Josh friend says. So this is the third week of this series and now it's 11.25 and I've got five minutes left. I want to talk about the story of David and... Goliath. Sometimes we think of war and we think of massive and a delegation and a great group and assembly of people fighting amongst each other. Because in our mind we've got pictures of what war is. But sometimes I believe wars happen amongst individuals. Amen? And individual wars are usually worse than collective wars. But here's this story in the Bible. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and I just want to read it so that anybody that may have never heard this story or um, doesn't know the details of it, we can hear it here. 1 Samuel 17, verse 24 through 32. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, How have you seen this man who has come up? 
Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich, enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, and give him his father's exemption from taxes in Israel. Everybody say, Amen. Amen. No more taxes the rest of your life. Sign me up. Amen. That sounds like a battle I'm willing to take on. So David hears this. Then David spoke to the men. David heard this. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? How big is your God? How capable is your God? What battles are you facing in this place today? Is he for you or against you? The Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. And if you're one of his blood-bought children, he is for you. He does not desire bad things to happen to his kids. Humanity keeps bringing it upon us. Amen. So David heard this, it says, and then he spoke and said, well, what shall be done? He just already had just heard it. Look at your neighbor and say, sometimes you ain't listening. <laughs> no, now, now turn around that other person that you know is not listening. You're afraid to tell them. Now turn to the person on the other side and say, no, really, you're not listening. <laughs> Amen. I know how you are when I tell you to talk to somebody. You're going to talk to the one thing. I'm not going to talk to that one tell them that one. <laughs> Amen. Better get the listening hat on. Amen. How many has a problem listening? How many has a problem with these right here? When you're listening. Amen. I, I cannot stand to talk to somebody and them texting while I'm talking. So I've made it a habit here right recently that as somebody's on their cell phone and they go to texting while talking, I just quit. I just quit talking. Amen. There's nothing wrong with texting. I'm not saying texting's a bad thing. I'm just saying texting while somebody's trying to talk to you is rude. Am I allowed to say that? Is are you allowed to say that in church? Is there any rude people up in this house? Amen. I've texted before. I ain't pointing the fingers at everybody else. I've done it before too. If I try to help them with their habits, maybe it'll help me with mine. Amen. So, David heard it, but he didn't hear it apparently. I thought that was one of them jar flies and it's off. It sounds just like one of those jar fly things that the cat brings in the house every night. You know, it's pretty awesome. It's not my cat. It's Leslie's cat. Her name's Phoebe. She doesn't have a tail. Born without one. Thanks, Derek. And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Elab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Elab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why do you come down here? And with whom have you left the few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Talking to his brother. Families, you're going to fight. Some of you fought driving in here today. I know you've got your church face on right now, but you're coming down the road. I know what it's like coming to church. That's why me and Leslie drive separate. Just better off. Amen. David said, what have I done now? And by saying that, what he was saying was, older brother, 
I've heard this from you before. Brothers shouldn't put brothers down. Joe Don's the only one believing that. Maybe John, you, are you preaching to John right now by saying that? Is that what you're doing? No, no, okay, okay, okay. John, you're off the hook if you're watching online. Hopefully he is. What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him and turned to another and said the same thing, and these people answered as the first one did. And when these words of David were spoken heard, they reported to Saul, the king. And when he sent to him, then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. The king at this point in time was anointed king, Saul, because he was a head higher than everybody else, it says. Can you imagine Goliath on the opposite side of the hill, a whole army behind him, and this giant, eight feet, nine feet tall, screaming obscenities about your God and saying, we're getting ready to come and kill every one of you, but we're willing to not do that if you'll just send one of yours out here to fight me. This is a one-on-one -on -one thing. And David walks up to this and he hears this and he says, is there not a cause? There's some things worth fighting for. And I'm not talking about black eyes and punching people in the face. I'm talking about standing up for godly principles. And I'm not saying and getting arguments and deliberating and going into great doctrinal position statements and blah, 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 blah. But there's times when the enemy wants to tear down you as a Christian in your workplace, in your family. And there's sometimes you have to take a stand. Amen? And I'm not telling you to be mean. I'm just telling you to take up for yourself. So this king, head higher than everybody else, can you imagine this big giant standing on the outside of the hill screaming obscenities, cussing your God, and saying, send somebody out. And everybody looking around, everybody's this tall. And here you are, the king, and you're this tall. And everybody's like, there's the big guy over there wanting to fight. wonder who will sin. I wonder who should go. I'd say Saul was doing this. I don't know. This will be a time you wouldn't want to be a tall guy. Amen? But the next thing you know, David, a little ruddy, red-headed kid that had only been out in the sheep field, he hadn't been empowered by his dad to go and dress in war suit and become part of the army. He'd just stay back and take care of the sheep, David. And when David shows up with the bologna sandwiches, I know this Bible's a little bit different now, but this is my version. Took some bologna sandwiches to him. That's pretty good. Amen. I mean, Mr. Lockins was talking about it. You know, bologna sandwich with a big old mater on it. Man, I'm, I'm going to talk about food now. We're starting to get hungry. My, my belly's growling. Amen. Don't get any better than that. So David shows up with these sandwiches for the brothers that the dad had sent for him. And when he gets there, he hears these words and he hears this Goliath, this giant over here screaming these things. And he said, is there not a cause? Shouldn't we be doing something? The best defense is a good offense. Amen. You're not going to win a basketball game if you ain't scoring. Amen. You're not going to win a football game if you don't put some points on the board. Amen. Volleyball girls, you got to win by points. It's the way it works, right? They're all quarantined right now. Well, so, well, whenever you get back from quarantine, go on and win for some points. You have to have points. So David's saying, is there not a cause? Is there not something worth fighting for? Shouldn't we be getting some points here? 
Does God want us to stand here and be belittled forever? No. I believe in being meek. Jesus told us to. Amen. But he didn't tell us to let people walk all over us and stomp us in the mud either. Amen. Disciples stood up on the day of Pentecost and they declared amongst people that didn't believe this gospel of Jesus when there was a lot of people there was saying, don't do that. Stay in the upper room. Stay silent. Don't say it anymore. Jesus is worth standing up for. Amen. Amen. Is there not a cause in our church today? Is there not a cause in our community today to hear of this loving Jesus that paid the price of sin for us that we don't have to pay, that we don't have to inherit death in eternity forever? Now I can go to heaven. Why? Because he said I can. David had a decision made. He had to make this decision. He had a decision to make. When we hear the enemy's taunting voice, what are we doing? I know there's people sitting in this place today that the enemy beat you down. In this society that we're living in, we, we, we live in a society where the, you know, it, mental health is something we have to take care of. Amen. We shouldn't be pointing fingers at our brothers and sisters in Christ when they're battling something. The church should be standing behind them, patting them on the back and saying, I'm here with you. Not looking at them saying, why aren't you out there doing something else like David's brother did? Let's be united in this. Let's multiply the kingdom of God by believing in each other and encouraging each other and strengthening each other and saying, get the help you need. Why? Because God can use even physicians. Amen. Why would Jesus let Luke the physician walk around with him while he was in ministry if he didn't believe in doctors? The gospel of Luke, that you read the gospel of Luke? He's a doctor. It's okay. I've got faith and I believe in healing. Amen. Dusty's going to preach in a few weeks on healing. We need to hear those messages. God is our healer. Amen. Whether he uses a doctor, whether he uses a medicine. Amen. Hezekiah, what are you going to do? Your days are numbered. Amen. Told him to go get an ointment and put on that. Amen. You'll be healed. God is bigger than our little ideals as a church that we paint ourselves in a box to say God can only do it this way. That's divisive. Let's multiply as a church. Amen. So in saying that, David, he heard these things, he said these things, but then his brothers were unbelievers and they couldn't hear what David was saying. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that's screaming these obscenities against our God that we worship. And David was a person that had been anointed with oil by the prophet Samuel, and he knew he was promised he was in line to be the next king. God had pointed him to do that. He had been to Jerusalem, and he had went to a big tent that looked like this, that was called the sanctuary of God, the tabernacle. Amen. God don't dwell in buildings. He dwells in tabernacle. 
not made with human hands. Amen. He dwells in our hearts today. The New Testament says his tabernacle is laid upon the grounds of our heart. And your heart is good soil that Jesus, when he comes and plants seeds in your heart, they will grow into a harvest of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, guidance, all these things, gentleness, meekness. Let's be the church. Let's multiply. Why? Because God doesn't want more. Historically, the way that humans has portrayed it. War is brutal. Our veterans, do we have any veterans here today? Is there any veterans here today? I want you to stand up if you're a veteran in this place. Anybody here is a veteran? My father-in-law. Bobby's here somewhere. I don't know where he's at. He's right near him. He's looking for other people to bring in. We thank God for our veterans. And a lot of them don't talk about the war they faced because it's not a pretty scene. And they don't like to relive it. And that's okay. Don't pressure them to talk about it. But listen when they do. Amen? All you got to do is thank them for their service. Just walk up, see them with a hat on, Korean War. Say thank you for your service, sir. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. They'll say that. So David had this option to make. Was he going to do something? Or was he just going to go back and tend to the sheep? And he tells a story to his brothers. He said, you know, when I was out there with those sheep, I killed a bear once with my bare hands because God gave me the ability. Has anybody ever killed a bear with your bare hands? Derek believes in Sasquatch. He probably, you know, has got the theory and the capabilities of doing that. I, I'd be scared if a bear comes up to tackle me. I'm going to run. Amen? It's fight or flight. I'm going to flight every time. David doesn't flee from this situation. He goes headlong into it and says, if God be for me, who can be against me? I'm going to go out here and I'm going to take my slingshot and I'm going to take my five stones and let's see what God can do. The Bible says farther in, in Chronicles, it tells a story in a place where the king was deciding, how am I going to fight this battle? And there's too many on the other side and their camp looks too big and there's too big of an army over there and we're just a small few people here in Israel. How are we going to fight this? And, and the prophet comes back and says, the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. What if we would start looking at our situations in our life and say, I'm tired of fighting this myself. I need God's help. Amen. I need the help of heaven to come. The armies of heaven come running. Why? Because angelic hosts can come when God sends them. He dispatches them. If you don't believe me, read Daniel. Daniel prayed and fasted, and 21 days later, the angel shows up on the scene. And guess what? Everything changed. The situations you walked into this building today doesn't have to be how you walk out of here. Amen. I believe here today you can walk out of this place rearranged, renewed, with a new vigor in life that you can walk out here like you're walking on clouds. I believe that with all my heart. David had to decide, what am I going to do? I'm going to do something. And that's my whole message for you today. Multiply and divide. We have to quit dividing. As humans, amen? There's school kids in this room, and guess what? You can't divide out. Just because you're playing volleyball don't mean that you can't root for the football team. Amen? Just because you're the softball players doesn't mean that you have to look down on the baseball players. Amen? And academic kids that's really smart, that's what I was in. Not really. <laughs> I think they looked over my intelligence. They didn't really... There's a place for everybody in God's kingdom.
There's a place for everybody in God's church. We're all his kids. The only thing we have to do to be his kid is come home to him and say, I'm tired of fighting these battles on my own. And I'm going to turn it over to you because the Bible tells me that the battle is the Lord's. Everybody say that with your mouth right now. Say, my battles are the Lord's. Amen. If you declare that, if you believe that, if you're saying that, really believing in your heart, I believe that's true, that the armies of heaven will come. The angelic host are encamped around about you, it says. In Psalms 91. I need a few angels to come. Amen. Just so many occupations here today as I'm looking around just seeing everybody. Just so awesome to see a diverse crowd. It's just, it's just a beautiful thing. I don't want to start naming them because I'll miss somebody and then hurt somebody's feelings and I don't want to do that. What a beautiful, diverse crowd. We're grateful you're here. God's grateful you're here. But I want you to bow your head if you will. Close your eyes. And I want you to pray a very simple prayer. I want you to just ask the Holy Spirit. It's mentioned all throughout the New Testament, the book of Acts. Jesus talked about the Spirit. He told his disciples that the Holy Spirit would come and cause all things to come to remembrance. The Holy Spirit can equip you. He can guide you. Jesus said he would be our counselor. Sometimes we need some good advice. And I don't want you I don't want you thinking through the muddy waters of your brain right now. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying today to me through this message? He may tell you in this place, stop fighting with your siblings. Ephesians tells us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and things not present in this world in tangible ways. Stop fighting against flesh and blood. These battles are God's. Turn it over to Him. I know you've been hurt. The Holy Spirit knows you've been hurt, but He's asking you today, turn these situations over to God there's people in this place today maybe you're sitting here and you have grew up in church and this is the first time you've been back in a long time and you're hearing this message and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and he's telling you I'm asking you come home to me stop fighting these battles of life on your own God wants to come in your heart today through the man called Jesus Christ the Son of God allow him in Maybe you're here today and the Holy Spirit is ministering to you and He's telling you, you know that you've known God at one point in your life and you've walked away. 
and you gave up on the church and you said, I don't know, I've been to church before and they hurt me and I, I don't know if I can take it anymore. I can't take church hurt. And through this message in here today, the Holy Spirit is ministering to you and telling you that the church can help you when you join together with like-minded believers that believe in each other, that believe in God, that wants to multiply. And today you're making a decision and you can say, God, I want to come home. I want to know you. Nobody looking around, every head bowed, nobody looking around, every eye closed. Is there anybody here that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are knocking on your heart's door right now and he's asking you to come in and maybe you've never known him before. You've never given your life to God. And you can feel him beating on your heart's door. And he's saying, please let me come in. I promise you life that you've never known. And you can sense him right now and your heart is beating, about to beat out of your chest. And you can, you can tell in this moment, I want that. I need that. I can hear that. Just lift up your hand and say, that's me. I want to accept him as my Lord in this place today. Anybody here? Lift up your hand. Anybody here? If you're online and watching by Facebook, same thing goes for you. Maybe you're sitting here today and you've walked away from him and he's telling you to come home to renew your relationship with him, to rededicate your life to him. You've known him before, but you've walked away and you can sense right now and you know in your heart that the Holy Spirit is telling you, come back home, you've been gone too long. Today's the day, give your life to Jesus. If that's you, I just want you to lift up your hand and say, that's me. That's me in this place. Amen. Thank you for that hand. There's others. Thank you for that hand. There's others. Thank you for that hand. There's others. Anybody else? Say, today's the day. I'm coming back home. Amen. Thank you for those hands. And the last one that I want to ask today, everybody, nobody looking around. This is not over yet. Is there anybody here today that's saying, Pastor, I'm facing some battles in my life right now. And I'm just so wore down and I'm beaten down. And the enemy's trying to kick my teeth in and I'm tired of it. And I'm tired of fighting these battles on my own and I need Jesus' help today. I need God's help. Just lift your hand right now. Amen. Thank you for those hands. Amen. Hands everywhere. Awesome, 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 awesome. Awesome. Great job. Great job. Being obedient to God. I want everybody here to pray this prayer with me. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you, forgive me for my sins, for my faults, for my failures. Help me be obedient to you and let, allow you to come and live in my heart so that I can live in eternity with you and make heaven my home. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.